I feel like I found my tribe. Yeah. Like these are these are the people that like I, I fit. I feel like I have found peace within myself because it's not who am I really. It's it's I am me and I'm who I'm always supposed to have been. I was just put in a different family. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Nicole. She called me from the terrible rush hour traffic in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. She was raised in the South, but her mixed racial heritage partially originates from Germany by way of the Commonwealth of Virginia, a state where an adoptee's legal rights to obtain their original birth information are extremely prohibitive. In reunion, she's exercising patience with her birth mother as she waits to be revealed to her maternal siblings. But she's also surrounded by love and acceptance by other family members on both sides. This is Nicole's journey. Nicole was born in Virginia, adopted after three months in foster care. She is a woman of mixed race, and she was adopted into a mixed-race family. Her mother is white, from Germany, her father is African-American, from Boston, and she grew up in a military family. You know, growing up, it was it was pretty normal. Adoption was like, you know, that was the typical in-the-fog adoptee, you know, oh my God, I'm adopted, that makes me special. And it was one of those things where, I mean, it, it wasn't really necessary to talk about you know it was i'm adopted and that's what it is and you know here's our family yeah um did you so, have siblings then, you know, grow, no i'm an only child okay um so my my parents actually adopted me when they were both um in their late 30s mm-hmm. um they just could not could not have children my mom had a lot of um miscarriages and stillbirths um so they went the adoption route and, you know, growing up in a mixed race family, it, it just seemed normal. I, I fit. Her father had been in the military for more than 20 years by the time they adopted Nicole. So they put down roots in Atlanta, ending the usual repetitive relocations that military families often endure. They wanted to give Nicole a place to feel grounded. They lived off base, but they were still surrounded by military families, which meant a wide array of family mixtures many of them with German spouses. Nicole's parents sent her to the German School of Atlanta on Saturdays because her adopted grandmother really wanted to be able to speak with her granddaughter in her native language. Sometimes, adoptees don't necessarily identify with the culture they're introduced to when they're adopted. So I asked Nicole how she identified with Germany. Oh, I was, I was, and I still am. I'm a very proud German. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it was, it was never, it was never a thing. I mean, obviously it was odd, you know, going to Germany and being, you know, the only brown skinned kid running around with all of the cousins, a very concentrated white area in the small villages there. Um, but other than it was normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> it just, it was, I, I felt like I fit. Did you go to Germany often? Um, every fan? summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every, what, what every summer it? my mother and I would go. What was it like for you there? Tell me more about being this brown child running around as the only person of color, probably, in in the area. 
Um, I guess to me, because like I said, for my family made it very normal. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have, um, a cousin and she was also mixed race, um, Mm. military father as well, but she grew up in Germany rather than moving to the States. Her and her mom stayed in Germany. So like I said, it was just oddly normal. I mean, I guess it was, I noticed that I kind of stuck out of, you know, but it, to me, it was like, oh, you know, I'm the special kid. You know, I'm the one brown kid here here in Germany. And, of course, everybody was fascinated with my hair and my skin complexion <laughs> and all of that. Right. Um, but it was, it was just very, very normal. Nicole's interracial heredity meant she really looked like she could be the product of her adopted parents. They even had little inside jokes in the family about her resemblance to her father's distant relatives, who were also mixed race, some of them passing for white. A lot of adoptees have that joke or sometimes irritation at the constant reminder that they couldn't possibly look like their relatives because they're adopted. Of course, their family's resemblance made it hard to convince her friends she was telling the truth when she revealed she was an adoptee. And my friends growing up, some of them just didn't believe that I was adopted. And they're like, you know, there's no way you were adopted. You look just like your family. And I'd look over and my dad tell them that I'm adopted. And he goes, uh, you know, maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. So that was his kind of... <laughs> Right. So that was our joke. That's funny. Mm-hmm. May I ask, so you've talked a little bit about your German orientation, but mm-hmm. tell me about your father. He's black from Boston. What did mm-hmm. he what did he introduce for you in terms of culture and how did you deal with sort of racial identity growing up in general? I think it was more so he didn't really touch on race too entirely much, but his sisters did. Um, he, funny enough, his sisters were also adopted. Their mother um, was a widow, and they were adopted by my grandfather. And they actually had the choice to be adopted. And some of them decided to be adopted, and others did not. But they were big on kind of bringing me into the African-American culture. And they, you know, were very insistent that when it came time for college that, you know, we have to, you have to tour the black colleges in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, reminding me of how to take care of my hair because my mom tried, but, you know, she wasn't, <laughs> she didn't really know how to take care of my hair other than, like, let's slap a relaxer in it and keep it straight. So, you know, they were, they were uh, a big part of that, as well as my grandmother, because, you know, we would go to Germany every summer, but we also went up to Virginia, and, st- and I would stay with her for two or three weeks. Um, so my dad's mom, my grandmother was very big into kind of reminding me of and bringing me into the culture and going to, you know, the very typical black churches and participating in a choir and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I got it pretty good on both sides. Yeah, there is a reason. I feel like there is a reason I was put into the family that I was in because there's too many small little coincidences within my biological and adoptive family. It sounded to me like Nicole was perfectly comfortable right where she was. So naturally, I was curious about what made her want to search. She said it's always been something she wanted to do, and her parents were well aware. Her mother used to joke with her in certain situations that she must be just like her biological mother. Because I was, you know, this loud, boisterous child in, you know, a very buttoned-up military family and very strict rules. And here's this artsy kid, and where is she getting it from? When Nicole turned 18, she was moving out of the house, but she also contacted Catholic Charities to request the documents necessary to start her search. But listen to how she talks about the experience. 
And then I was told, oh yeah, by the way, here's a $500 fine that you have to pay to get this paperwork opened up. So, you know, at 18, first moving out of the house, $500 is not something easily come by. It's funny um, that you so, use the word fine also, right? They would call yeah, it a fee, can, but you very much feel like it's a fine for finding your mm-hmm. own identity, huh? I, yeah, that, I mean, that's what it really feels like. And um, I, uh, I had my first son when I was 19 years old. So that was the same age that my birth mother was when she had me. So, and I actually considered an adoption plan for him. But thinking about just, to me, the hell that she went through and those feelings, I, I couldn't do it. Hmm. Like, we're going to make it work. Wow. We're absolutely going to make it work. Over the years, Nicole requested the paperwork more than once. She repeatedly committed to herself that she would find the money to pay the fine. But finally, on her birthday in 2017, she told her boyfriend she wanted to submit a sample for Ancestry DNA. She had also listened to a TED Talk given by Katherine Robertson in Baltimore, Maryland. Catherine's talk outlines the seven reasons an adoptee's original identity should not be a state secret. In reason number six, she tells the story of how she found her birth family on her own, outside of the unfair laws of the state of Virginia, where Nicole was also born. In Virginia, an adoptee can petition to obtain their records, but the petition will only be accepted under one condition, if both parents consent to have their identities revealed. To recap Catherine's point, that means if both parents are deceased, the petition is denied. If one is dead and one is alive and says yes, the petition is denied because the deceased parent didn't have a chance to deny. And even if both parents are alive, but only one consents to the petition and the other rejects the request, the petition is denied. Apparently, even after all of that, a Virginia judge can still deny the request even if both parents said yes, because the judge can question whether an adoptee's given reason for the petition was strong enough. Catherine completed her search on her own, and Nicole knew she had to do the same. There was just no way she was going to pay Catholic Charities $500 when there was such a strong chance the petition would be rejected. Nicole's birthday gift last year was an Ancestry DNA kit. She had the kit delivered to her job, so she retrieved it from the mailroom spat in the tube at her desk, then returned the sample. The results came back pretty quickly. Uh, I'll never forget it was a Tuesday that I got it. Why is because, it? Because I found my birth family that Saturday. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yep, I, yep, I, had a, I had the help of a search angel, and I got in touch with her. And when I opened up the DNA, uh, you know, they, they give you... Of course, you know, the circle of your genetic background. And the first thing that I noticed was, biologically, I'm German. So I called my mom, and I go, Mom, I'm German. And she goes, we know this. And I'm like, no, it's in my blood. I'm actually (laughs) German. (laughs) That's really funny. And what did she say? She just started to laugh. Yeah. (laughs) She was just like, okay, Nicole, I'm going to go back to work now. Call me later. That's funny. So, so for me, you know, being such a proud German and like that was one of the things that terrified me. I'm like, what if I'm not German? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's <laughs> I can't right. Claim, I can't claim that anymore. My kids can't claim that anymore. Like, what if I'm not German? And then seeing that I'm German, like, I was like, yep, you know, I, I was meant to be in this family. 
So Nicole logs in to see that she has a first cousin match. She and her search angel, Lauren, start digging, creating a mirror tree, and they figure out he's a great uncle. Nicole sent the man a message to ask if he possibly had a niece who may have had a child in 1986. There was no reply. Nicole and her search angel find leads, but they can't confirm them. We find who we think is my great-grandmother, and at that point we get stuck because we can't find my grandmother's married name. We know her maiden name, but we can't find her married name. We find information, and the thing is that we knew we were looking for my, my biological mother had a brother that was younger than her. So we knew we were trying to find a man or a woman that had just a boy and a girl. And we, you know, we knew that the daughter was going to be, you know, my birth mother. And at that point we got stuck and he's not responding to me whatsoever. So I'm reaching out to, you know, people that are cousins, you know, trying to get some kind of information because one thing that I am is impatient. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get that from my adoptive parents because they are the most patient people in the world. Mm -hmm. So I, we're trying to figure this out. And finally, you know, we were looking at my um, non-identifying information that I had. And it turns out that we're on the right path because all of a sudden I get a message from, from Lauren my search transition is there it is. And I'm like, where, there's what is. I don't, what, am, what are you seeing that I'm not? My great-grandmother was a speech therapist. And this was also listed in my non-identifying information. Um, and we found an article on this woman that we assumed was my great-grandmother on Ancestry. And she's a speech therapist. We find her obituary because this was the key. We find her obituary and it has my grandmother's married name which now we have my biological mother's maiden name. So once we find all this information, we find my grandmother's phone number. And we actually find my uncle's phone number. We, I mean, we found everybody's phone number at this point. And my thinking was, I'm going to reach out to my grandmother because in my non-identifying information, it states the three months that I was in foster care, they actually continued to visit me before I was placed. Hmm. My biological mother and my grandmother both used to visit me at Catholic charities or there was an intermediary involved, but they would visit. And I actually have gifts from them and my first Christmas card from them. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't know that I had a, a wooden baby doll um, crib. And, you know, of course, as a kid, you know, you're tearing up your room, you're playing with stuff, you're kind of rough. And my mom would always fuss at me anytime she would see this thing upside down in my room. And I didn't realize it until my daughter turned six. She brought it over and gave it to my daughter for her birthday and explained to me this was a gift from your biological mother. And that's why I was so firm with you when, you know, I would find it in a disarray in your room. Nicole's mother never told her the significance of that baby crib because she knew she wanted to preserve it for Nicole's kids. Nicole also said she has a christening gown and a Christmas card her birth mother and grandmother left her. In that card, they address their holiday greetings to Nicole, using her original name, Rachel. She's always known her original name because she's always had access to the card whenever she liked. Nicole decided that since she had found her maternal biological grandmother's phone number, and, based on the facts of history, she wanted to reach out to her. She dove in. 
So I make this phone call because, of course, I, not even five minutes after finding the phone, the, the phone number, I call it. I'm like, you know what? We're calling it. That's what we're going to do. Because if I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. You know, my, my kids are my kids are all gone for the day. I have a quiet minute. My phone, my cell phone is dying. I've got it plugged in. And I'm sitting on the floor and my grandfather answers the phone. So I meekly asked, like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, why, why is he answering the phone? Like, men don't normally answer the house phone. Yeah, right, why is right. he answering the house phone? So he calls for my grandmother to answer the phone. And of course you do the, the like, you know, I'm sorry to bother you, you know, but I just, you know, wondering if possibly you could be my, my maternal grandmother. And she gets kind of quiet for a second and she goes, yeah, that would be us. <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately burst into tears. Oh my gosh. All I can say is, hi, <laughs> I'm Nicole. <laughs> it's nice to finally find you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. She didn't even and sound course, taken aback. She sounded like, no. Yeah, that's <laughs> us. Oh yeah, we've been waiting for you. Nicole was messaging with Lauren during the exchange with her grandmother. Lauren reminded Nicole to ask what her birth father's name was because their work didn't give them any leads. She remembered the man's last name, so she called out over her shoulder to her husband, who remembered the man's first name. He's got a really, really good, strong name. He is the third generation of this name, so okay. it's not going to be hard to find him. Mm -hmm. And I type it over to Laura, my search angel, and all of a sudden she's pulling up old yearbook pictures of both of my biological parents and sending them to me as I'm on the phone with my grandmother. Oh my gosh. The search is happening in real time while you're it in the It is union. happening. Yeah, exactly. Oh. So, so of course that oh first phone God. call, she's like, do you have any questions for us? And I'm like, well, I, I have a ton, but right now I'm kind of drawing a blank. Yeah, right. I've got a thousand, but right now I'm in shock. Right. Yeah, right now I'm in shock because I'm actually speaking to you. Oh, my <laughs> And here gosh. I am thinking, you know, I'm going to have this together. And no, I'm just, I'm an emotional mess and I'm just in tears. Oh, man. What were you thinking? Um, I, I, nothing. <laughs> just astonishment. I literally, I, yeah, I was like, I, I can't believe it took from a Tuesday to a Saturday afternoon. And I'm speaking to my grandmother. Mm. Nicole's grandmother lives in Pennsylvania. And she revealed that her daughter, Nicole's birth mother, still lived in Virginia. Her grandmother made a phone call to her daughter, telling Nicole she'd be sure to call back. Lauren, the search angel, was still pulling up information as the call concluded. Lauren found what turned out to be Nicole's birth father's ex-wife on Facebook. So Nicole contacted her. The second I pull up her Facebook page, you know how like, there have the, the little pictures that you can see of like little memories that they that you can put up on your page yeah there's a picture of i had to do a double take because it was me really and and i was like wait what in the world is going on that's me that that looks like me when i was in high school and it turns out it's my half sister <laughs> wow and that we must have been really like freaky my son, at that point, he goes, Mommy, and he's 12. He goes, Mommy, why, is she, why does she have your face? Oh, my gosh. Because this terrible. whole time, yeah, this whole time, my kids have known that I was adopted, and they knew that I was going on this search. And he goes, Mom, she has your face. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I messaged his wife, and she 
has been the most wonderful part, to me, the most wonderful part of this reunion other than finding my sibling. Um, because she just, oh, you know, I'll get in touch with him. You know, it's going to be okay every day from the time that I messaged her to the time that she knew I spoke to him. She was checking in with me. You know, it's going to be okay. Just hang in there. You're going to get a chance to talk to him. And she was absolutely wonderful. And we, me and him corresponded through email first. And, you know, I, I told him, you know, look, I've seen a picture of, of my sister, but if you're unsure, I'm more than happy to pay for a DNA test. And his response back was, just by looking at you, I know you're mine. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you were thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's no way I can't be. But just in case there's any doubt, I, I will pay for a DNA test. I, yeah. I don't care. Of course, with adoption, there are at least two sides to a person's birth family story. When she spoke to her birth father by phone, he made sure she knew he had a version of the story that he wanted to tell. The next email I get back from him is, if you want to know how your adoption went on my end, I'm more than happy to tell you. Mm, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he sounds um, like there's definitely two stories to be told. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I did find out why it took me three months to get placed, because actually my maternal grandmother, she wanted to know how long before you went home to your, your adoptive family. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, it took about three months. And she said, well, you know, we were getting frustrated with the, uh, with Catholic Charities because had it taken any longer, we were going to bring you home and we were going to raise you ourselves. Wow. What did you mm -hmm. think when you heard that? Um, it was it was a mixed bag. Um, it, it was nice to know that I was wanted. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, you know, I had I had a really good life and I couldn't picture not you know, being with the family that I'm with. Yeah. And then it turns out the reason it took three months for me to be placed is, um, unfortunately, my birth mother hid her pregnancy until she was six months along. And when her parents found out, they kind of, you know, took her home and said, we got to make a plan. And at that point, she disappeared from my, my birth father's life. She just disappeared. She broke up with him and just took off. Oh. Um, and three months later, he got paperwork in the mail from Catholic Charities requesting him sign over his rights. That and was it. Just out of the blue. Out of the blue. He All he knew that a baby girl was born, and that's all the information he had. For three months, he held on to those papers. And for three months, him and his parents tried to figure out how to bring me home. Interesting. So it was him that was the holdup. Yep. He wanted to, they wanted to bring me home. Wow. But because they had no information other than a baby girl was born, he had no idea when, um, that, uh, they, he finally conceded three months later and, and said, you know, I don't want her to be in foster care anymore. I want her to go home. That must've been further validating then, right? Yeah. I mean, wanted because, you know, everywhere. I was wanted on both sides, you know, and. Um, having the, the one conversation that I did with my birth mother, she even said, you know, I was really immature and he was less mature. And had he not signed those papers, I would have taken off to my grandparents' house in Pennsylvania. So she was going to keep me as well. That's crazy. You know, and as a, as a teenager, I went through that phase of, you know, why wasn't I wanted, you mm -hmm. know? So to have that validation to hear that everyone wanted me, it just was a bad time. 
you know, that that was that was pretty impactful. It still is for me. Right before Halloween 2017, Nicole's favorite holiday, she was out with her children and her boyfriend buying costumes for the kids. She said normally she would just make the children's costumes, but last year life just got away from her. On the way back from the shopping trip, her phone rang and it was a Virginia phone number. So I look at my boyfriend and I kind of panic and I go, I think it's her. And he's like, well, are you going to answer it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably do that. So I answer the phone and she is, you know, she's very timid. You know, you can tell that she was kind of freaking out a little bit. I was freaking out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I, I wish I would have written things down. We talked for about 45 minutes and, and she was telling me, you know, medical background. I have three brothers on that side. Hmm. So all in all, I grew up an only child, but I'm the oldest of five. Wow. That's so <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And she's telling me about my siblings and, you know, it, it was kind of, it's hard to even remember that conversation. So, you say you wish you had written things down in that first conversation. Are you still talking to her? Cause you sound, it sounds very past tense. No. Um, I, I let her know, like on, on Halloween, I wish like right before Halloween, I wished her a happy Halloween. Um, and she texted me back and, you know, sent me pictures of her house because she, they go all out for Halloween. <laughs> she sent me pictures of the front of the house and, you know, wish me a happy Halloween back. And, and I knew at that point when I spoke to her on the phone, she let me know that she's going to need time. Yeah. Cause my siblings didn't know about me. So she said she's going to need time. And it, it kind of got a little rocky um, because I was speaking to her parents and her brother on a weekly basis. I still do. And I requested, I asked them, I said, you know, I know she's not ready. So if you could, you know, don't bring me up unless she asks about me. Um, but her, you know, my grandmother got a little bit pushy because she was frustrated that she wasn't telling my siblings about me yet. So she basically had to write them a strongly worded email um, <laughs> saying, you know, if you don't stop bringing her up, I'm going to cut you off. Um, wow. So there, yeah. And I, and I think she's holding on to a lot of resentment because I believe it was my grandmother's idea to place me for adoption. Uh, and then, you know, and then they were told never to speak of it because she was actually a social worker back during the baby scoop era. Your grandmother was. Yes. She was a social worker during the baby scoop era where you told women, you know, just, you're going to place your baby for adoption. You know, you're going to go about your life. You're going to move on. You know, you'll forget. Yeah. And then you don't talk about it to anyone. So she was a social worker during that era. So she um, was, it sounds like, a facilitator of your adoption in terms of probably having, yes. like, knowledge and resources in order to make it happen efficiently. But now that you're back, she's now pressing mm -hmm. her own daughter to speak with you and speak with her own kids yes. about one. Wow. <laughs> yes. Wow. Um, That's a real 180. It was only a few weeks after Nicole found everyone that her paternal grandfather unexpectedly passed away. He was gone before she got to meet him. So I kind of, you know, I talked to my, my biological father. And I said, you know, I, I don't want to be intrusive, but would it be okay if I come to the funeral to pay my respects? Mm -hmm. And he said, absolutely. So Nicole jumped in her car that Friday night after work, drove eight hours from Georgia to Danville, Kentucky, arriving at 2 a.m., the last time Nicole text messaged with her birth mother was right before that trip. 
And you texted her before yeah. you went to say you were going. I, and did you? Did she reply? She did, and her reply literally had me burst into tears. I was such a mess because I was so nervous, and I've I've never actually been on a trip by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've you know I've never been away from my kids, you know, for a whole weekend like that, you know. I mean, they were home, but for me, it was it was still very much like, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah, that's a brave first so, separation. Yeah, and uh, she she responded. Um, she said, "I'm so sorry for your loss. My thoughts are with you and him. Best of luck. Remember that they're lucky to know you hmm. and to have you in their life." Wow, that yeah. was that was and, thoughtful. Yeah, and then when I got back, I let her know that I had a good trip. And she said, that's great. Glad to hear it. And that was November 8th. And that was the last time I've heard from her. And how are you feeling about it? The silence. <sighs> it's, it's maddening. <laughs> um, it, some days I'm really, really angry about it. Um, other days I try to be really empathetic and think about, you know, if I were in her shoes, mm-hmm. um, and just hearing from her family um, about her personality, her and I are very, very similar. And I think looking back at 19, had I had to make that tough decision, and her words exactly were, I put that in a box and I put that box away. And your birthday is the only day I allow myself to feel it. Wow. I think to survive, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. And now the box I, is sitting on the living room table, right? It's yep. right out in the open. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and it's open. And it's just a matter of yep. digging through it to try to figure out how you feel about everything inside. And Exactly. Wow. And so as you, know, as you I, empathize with her, what do you what do you think about how you would react at this moment? You know, she's however many decades older than you now and and here you are. What would you what do you think when you empathize with her? Um, after reading the book, the girls who went away, um, before reading the book, the girls who went away, I was pissed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was absolutely livid and I I still kind of swing back and forth from the anger, but I think the anger is coming out because of sadness. Um, and I, I don't like to feel sad. So I, I revert to anger, but I think for me, I, with being as spontaneous as I am, I'd have to just rip the bandaid off but she's going to have to process in her own way. And, you know, she still, you know, her, she told me herself that that's the biggest regret that she's ever had is, is giving me up. So I think she's still punishing herself. I think she's not allowed herself to grieve. And all I can do is, is hope that she'll forgive herself. That's the only thing I can do is, is to hope and keep the door open. Nicole said she's reached out a few times, but she thinks her birth mother has blocked her phone and she doesn't want to use her work email address to contact her birth mother with such personal matters as their reunion. She also thinks that if her maternal grandfather had been the one to suggest that his daughter should proceed with reunion, Nicole's mother would have received the suggestion better. However, Nicole seems to relish the silver lining of the relationships that she does have. You know, the one thing that I'm looking at out of all of this is I have my brother and my sister on my dad's side. I have my biological father. I have his ex-wife, who is absolutely amazing. Um, 
and you know it, it's been good like he he even included me in the obituary wow um when we went up and just <laughs> because my sister and i look so much alike it was funny to see everybody at the at, during the service kind of do a double take and look over at me like wait a minute <laughs> mm-hmm. like wait i thought there was only one of them there's two of them yeah and, and, yeah, and it was, oh, hi, cousin. Welcome to the family. It was, there was no. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it, so that was your first time meeting him was at his own parents, his, mm-hmm. at his own father's funeral. Yeah, we we all, funny enough, because it's such a small town in Kentucky, there was really only two hotels in the area, and we all ended up staying in the same hotel. So when... When we we prepared to meet downstairs in you know the continental breakfast area, but I was such a wreck. I got up at like seven o'clock in the morning, and they didn't have a chance to tell my great aunt about me, so she was already downstairs in the kitchen area when I walked downstairs, and she wasn't really paying much attention until she looked over and she goes, "Wait a minute, who are you?" Really. Yeah, she goes, who are you? And I was like, oh, well, I'm so-and-so's other daughter. And she goes, who's your mom? Really? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, well, it was crazy. Yeah. And then she immediately hands me her phone and goes, put your number in my phone and add me on Facebook. (laughs) After the services, Nicole's 15-year-old little brother announced he was riding with Nicole. The young man wanted to show her Danville, Kentucky, and all of the places their grandfather used to hang out. He took her everywhere that was important to the boy when his grandfather was alive. Then, Nicole got to visit her grandparents' house. When we went to the house, I actually got to go to my grandparents' house to kind of help get the house cleared out. And my sister had a box of jewelry. And she goes, you know, I've already gone through all of it and gotten my favorite pieces out. But I feel like it wouldn't be fair if I didn't let you get a a couple of pieces of grandma's jewelry too oh my god that's so sweet and i literally burst into tears and just wrapped my arms around her and i'm like you that's your grandmother i had a grandmother like those are your memories that you have with her but they've immediately it's not skipped a beat Mm. (laughs) it's like okay she's here you know we've missed her and and here she is wow how Mm -hmm. is how has this experience changed you (laughs) Finally being able to look at somebody and go, there's my tribe. And actually, my, my sister was here for her spring break for the last week. Um, and we have a picture of the three of us together. And there's no denying that we're family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we even sent the picture to our dad. And he goes, oh, my God, you guys aren't just sisters. You're twins. But, you know, she was here for a week and is just, you know, like when you can comfortably sit in silence with someone, how it takes a very long time to develop a relationship with somebody that you can just sit in silence together and it's not awkward. Yeah. We have that. We both are just sitting on the couch doing nothing and just sitting there in each other's presence. That's amazing. You know, like I said earlier, I grew up, you know, military family, German mom. So it was speak my love language, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they were very vocal about, Oh, you know, we love you. We care for you, but I'm a very tactile person. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that has to do with the fact that I was in foster care for three months. And I don't know if I had that physical affection that as you know, a baby that I needed, but I've always been very physically affectionate and they're the same way, but it's, I I feel like I found my tribe. Yeah. Like these are, these are the people that like I, I fit. I feel like I have found 
peace within myself because it's not who am I really. It's, it's I am me and I'm who I'm always supposed to have been. I was just put in a different family. Nicole told me that her maternal grandparents insisted that she be adopted into a mixed family because they didn't want her to have a transracial adoption experience where she was not educated in her own background. Nicole is thankful for the life that she lived with her family. As a matter of fact, there are specific things that she doesn't feel are coincidental about the family she was placed in. Listen to this list of amazing dates. The day that I was born... September 15th, 1986, was the day that my grandfather, my adoptive mom's father, passed away. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So I came into this earth the day that he left. Um, wow. As well as my birthday is the day before my maternal grandfather's birthday. <laughs> really? my, incredible. My, my oldest son's birthday is the same day as what would have been my great-grandmother's birthday. It was January 15th. And my adoptive mother and my biological mothers have the exact same birthday, only 20 years apart. Dang, that is a lot of birthday coincidences. That's really, yeah. really mm -hmm. surreal. And both dads are born in February. This summer, Nicole is planning a few-day-long trip to Pennsylvania to see her grandparents, a trip to Virginia to see her biological father, and West Virginia to see her siblings. She intends to reach out to her biological mother to see if the woman wants to have coffee with her while they're in Virginia. Nicole figures she'll give her mother the option to walk through the open door, recognizing that if she doesn't make the offer to her birth mother, she'll regret it. Is it going to be hard for you to be right in her zone if she doesn't respond? I think so. Um, I think so, but it's one of those things where I have to... I can't keep beating myself up and you know, my uncle, her brother and his wife, you know, they keep reminding me, you know, stop apologizing for wanting to know her. Yeah. You know, this is, this is her stuff that she's going through. It has nothing, you know, it's not your fault that she hasn't processed it in 31 years, you know, stop apologizing for wanting to know your biological mother. Yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, the most frustrating part is I have three siblings that don't know about me. And, you know, I, I have I've respected her request to be the one to tell them. But I'm trying to kind of give myself a deadline of if it's been this long since I've reached out and she's not said anything, you know, when am I going to reach out? Because being able to look up my brothers on Facebook, you know, and see their pictures is frustrating. Yeah, I'll bet. You know, I'll and bet. the joke. My, my grandfather and even my uncle, they always joke around about, you know, she always said we couldn't tell her, you know, tell the boys, but she never said we couldn't get them ancestry DNA tests. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. So we joke, you know, that's the, that's the joke. And, you know, from what I understand, my, my middle brother, um, he's 21 and he's in college and he's always made comments about wanting to do an ancestry DNA test. But, you know, college kid, a hundred dollars is, you know, that's, that's, yeah. that's, you know, money for gas and books and all of that. All kinds of so stuff. He yeah. has, so he has expressed interest in wanting to do an ancestry DNA test. And his father actually lives down in Florida. So he drives through Atlanta frequently. Um, and I've been warned that the minute he finds out about me to expect a phone call, because that's just the type of person that he is. Oh, yeah. Well, so, that's the type of person that you are apparently too, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have to, I just, I pick up the phone and I do it. Otherwise... 
I'm going to chicken out and then I'm going to put it off. Nicole's youngest brother on her maternal side is a minor, so she's definitely not reaching out to him either. She credits her adopted mother for trying to help her hold a connection to her birth family. Her mother enrolled Nicole in dance, an interest of her birth mother's. She kept that baby doll crib, which is lucky because Nicole's grandmother has a matching crib. Nicole plans to carry her crib to Pennsylvania to reunite it with the companion piece owned by her grandmother. But the family traditions of inclusion have already begun. For Christmas, every, every one of the grandchildren has a letter on the tree. They have a very small Christmas tree that sits on the table, and every one of the grandchildren has a letter. And they sent me a picture this past Christmas of them putting the N on the tree. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, sorry. Awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> trying not to cry. And, you know, for around Thanksgiving, they, they sent me an email. You know, your grandmother wants to know if she can send the kids Christmas gifts. And, you know, she's so excited to be a great grandmother. And, you know, the same thing with my, my biological father. He, I'll get a text from him and, you know, how are my grandchildren doing? Like, he's so excited to be a grandpa. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So even with my biological mother not coming around yet, I have this village of love surrounding me and it could have been so much worse. Like my adoptive, my adoptive parents meeting my half sister this past week was beyond amazing. You know, my dad cracking up going, you guys even have the same smile and laugh. What the heck? You know. <laughs> and you know, my mom giving my sister a big squeeze and tell her, you know, don't be a stranger. Please come back and visit us again. You know, my kids were upset about her leaving because they wanted her to stay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're so looking forward to seeing them this summer. And even my daughter is very shy, but she connected to my sister and clung to her. Um, oh my God, so, so it's, cute. yeah. So as much as it hurts that my, my bio mom is still needing time. Like I have so much love and so many relationships to develop that, you know, 10 years ago, had I found her and her silence would have absolutely devastated me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now it still hurts, but I can process that hurt. And if I get angry, I can allow myself to be angry and feel that. Yeah. But I, how much love can one person get? Right. Like there's never too much of it. I asked how Nicole's adopted parents were doing with all of this. She told me that her mother is very protective of her as she is of her mother. The day that I found everyone um, and found all of the pictures, she I called her and told her. She came rushing over after work, and she said, "I want to." I was like, "I can text message them to you." And she goes, "No, I'm coming over," and you know, just checking in with my feeling. How are you feeling? Or you know, is, are you okay? And my daughter, looking exactly like my biological mother, was insane. And she just, you know, pointing out the differences. But she is very, you know, be careful. You know, she's she's very worried about my feelings because she knows I take everything to heart. So she knows that that little bit of rejection will kind of take me out for a little bit. But once she got to I think once she actually got to meet my sister and to see how connected we already are, I think she was able to relax a little bit. And how, how about your dad? Because it can be really different. I, I had this in my own reunion where I found my biological mother, but didn't know who my biological father was. Mm -hmm. And I was only still in touch really with my, bio, my adopted dad because my mother yeah, suffers mental illness. So she wasn't part of my yeah. reunion at all. So I didn't find 
you know, I found the opposing sex parent. Mm-hmm. Right. So how was your dad with your with you finding your your biological father? He's he's not very vocal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Typical retired colonel. You know, for him, it's just like, hmm, oh, cool. You know, like whatever. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think when he actually like got to see me and my sister together, like that was the first like real emotion I saw from him. That's so good. for him, he's very, yeah, he's very nonchalant about it and whatever, which I think is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but for my mom, she's, she's more concerned about me not getting my feelings hurt. Yeah, of course. Um, and, and I'm the same way with her. When I noticed, you know, when I was first reaching out and finding everyone, I was kind of like, mom, you know, this is what's happening. And she'd be very quiet. So I pulled back a little bit about sharing information with her and would only share bits and pieces that I felt were necessary for her to know. Like my, my grandmother will always ask, you know, how's your mother doing? You know, she's very concerned of, of course, again, coming from the baby scoop era. You know, she always likes to remind me, you know, you have parents. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're just, we're just extended family. And I'm like, you know what? You guys are not getting rid of me. <laughs> That's our, jo- our, our joke is, you know, I found you and I'm not letting go. Nicole is biding her time, trying to be patient and giving her birth mother the space to come around. She knows it can take a long time for a birth mother to face the past and reveal her long held secret, but she's not going to wait forever for her birth mother to reveal her existence to her other children. As an adoptee, to you and me, it's like, okay, you hear that saying blood is thicker than water, but, you know, we, we didn't have that option. It was, you know, family is who I make it. That's right. So, and, you know, my mom's best friend growing up, that was my other mom, you know, that, mm-hmm. that this is my other mom. And so now, you know, my sibling's mother has become other mom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's why we're actually making the trip in that direction because we could stop in West Virginia first. But for me, that relationship has already been developed because I talk to her all the time. I actually talk to my sibling's mom more than I do my bio dad. <laughs> but, you know, t- to me, that already feels like home. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, it's going to be very emotional visiting my grandparents. So coming back through to West Virginia and, you know, landing home, you know, where I'm already feel safe and comfortable you know, to kind of wind down after all of that is, is going to be really good. Mm, that sounds amazing. You've got mm-hmm. a big set of trips and adventures and reunions and mm-hmm. it's going to be emotional. You're, you've got a lot coming your way, but I'm really thankful for you that you've gotten all of this love, this tribe surrounding you, you know, seemingly mm-hmm. hugging you all at the same time. That's really spectacular. And I hope your mom yeah. comes around too. I do too. I mean, you know, I've, I've heard listening to your podcast and listening to Haley Radke's podcast, Mm. you know, sometimes it takes years and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to wait the long haul for her to come around, but you know, I still have that, that internal clock ticking going, you know, one day, I don't know when, because of how impulsive I am one day, I'm, I'm going to contact my brothers. Yeah. Well, you've probably heard on many of those stories, you know, sometimes you break the trust when you go around. So just try yeah. to have patience and, you know, yeah. and, take and, solace in the fact that you guys have actually been in touch. You've talked and yeah. and there was something there. And that positivity and, is something that actually can evolve over time. Yeah. And that's my biggest thing of why I haven't reached out to my brothers, because I have two sons and my oldest son is incredibly overprotective of me, you know, and so I, I can... 
I don't want it to be a point where, you know, the boys go, no, you know, mom doesn't like this. We're not having contact. That's right. Um, you know, cause that's, <laughs> you, you know how you are with your mom. It's like, nope, protect her at all costs. That's right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, that's right. so, so I, you know, I, I expect that. So for me, it's, you know, I've respected her wishes, but I don't know how long I'm going to remain a secret. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I don't exist. I've, yeah. I've finally found them and I'll give her time, you know, and I'll give her a respectable amount of time, but yeah. you know, the next three, four years, she still hasn't said anything, you know, I'll reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on till it hurts. Right. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> we'll see what happens at that point, but hopefully she'll turn around before that time. Right. Yeah. I hope so. All right, Nicole. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm really glad you got thank the you tribe so much, around. Damon. You. Take care. All the best to you. All right. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. Nicole's got a lot of love around her, and that's got to be an incredible feeling. Still, not having her birth mother's full acceptance has to be tough. Nicole and I talked a while back, so I emailed her recently to check in, asking about her birth mother. She replied, No update on birth mom yet. I'm still holding out hope, but I'm really looking forward to seeing her parents and brother next month. I've been feeling very nervous, but I'm looking forward to seeing my grandmother's garden. Last week, I got the most amazing news. I didn't talk about it before because I didn't want to paint the devil on the wall. But Tom, my birth father, is officially cancer-free. Now we really have cause to celebrate when I visit in June. Thanks so much for this podcast. It means so much to have those Me Too moments when listening to everyone else's stories. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Nicole's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, who am I really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can choose to share your whole story, maintain some privacy about parts of your story, or share completely anonymously. You can find the show at facebook.com slash WAI Really or follow me on Twitter at WAI Really. And please, if you like the show, you can subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, it would mean so much if you took a moment to share a rating or leave a comment. Those ratings can help others find the podcast too. Thank you.